Acoustic guitars and humidity have a volatile relationship that has been in the headlines of guitar tabloids for years and years. Does this relationship end badly? Or do guitars and humidity ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after? On today's episode, we'll dive into humidity, why your guitars need it, and what you can do about it. Get ready for a humidity tour de force. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Hey, TAC family, this is episode 275 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show. 275, that feels solid. It feels like a momentous number. This is a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more fulfillment, progress, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, I'll deliver to you some acoustic news you can use, including a guitar built with a buffet of tonewoods, a video series about a storied man with a storied guitar, and much, much more. Plus, we're gonna see an updated guitar snow from a friend in North Carolina. That's all coming up, but first, let's talk about humidity and your guitar. You've likely heard it before. If you've purchased an acoustic guitar from any guitar store, they say, hey, you're gonna need a humidifier with that. And in your head, you're thinking to yourself, do I really need a humidifier with that? The answer is absolutely yes. If you do not humidify your acoustic guitar and you live in a dry climate, some really bad stuff can happen to your guitar. And that's what we're gonna discuss today. We're gonna talk about what the ideal conditions are for your guitar and the humidity levels. We're gonna talk about what are some signs that your guitar is dry. We're gonna talk about some of the nasty results if you let your guitar dry out. And I'm gonna recommend some humidifiers to you of varying types and, and there's a final and. We're gonna go through some common myths of humidification and dispel them. So first, ideal conditions. This is rather quick. So you want your guitar kept anywhere between 66 and 77 degrees, give or take a degree or two. And at that temperature range, you wanna keep your guitar within the relative humidity range of 40 to 55%. I like to actually bump it up between 45 and 55, but 40 is acceptable on the low end. Anything over 55, you do run the risk of over humidifying your guitar. It's really tough to do, but it can happen, especially if you live in a, a more uh, humid environment. And um, certainly the, the results of over humidification are just as bad as under humidification. Your guitar in essence becomes bloated and things start to separate. Uh, if you over humidify, but we're really not gonna focus on over humidification because it's far more rare. We're gonna focus on under humidification. So looking at your guitar, how can you tell without a hygrometer if your guitar is dry? Well, well there's, there's a couple things to look for. Number one, you're gonna see that if you hold the top of your guitar in the light, you'll start to see some visible grain lines. The hard grain lines, the darker grain lines don't shrink as much as the softer grain lines, the, the lighter grain lines. So you'll see kind of this almost ridge pattern developing. Uh, another couple signs that your guitar is dry, well, is that the top may sink. If you lay a straight edge across the top of your guitar, the top of your guitar is built with a very subtle radius. Well, as the guitar dries out, this radius starts to shrink and you'll see that the top can actually develop a dip in it. So if you place a straight edge across the top of your guitar, you'll see that it has a little bit of a valley in the middle. That's a sign that your guitar is drying out. 
You're also, you also could notice some sharp fret ends, right? So uh, as you play your guitar, you're gonna notice that, gosh, that the fret ends are sticking out a little bit. I can actually feel the very ends of the frets. It's not comfortable. That's another sign your guitar is drying out. What else did I have? Um, oh, you'll also notice that the guitar's action is lowered. You might hear some fuzzy or buzzy notes up and down the neck uh, because, again, that top is sinking. It's bringing the strings closer to the fretboard. So then when you go and play your guitar, you're gonna notice that, gosh, I'm getting a lot of fret buzz. It sounds, it sounds kind of funky. That's a huge sign your guitar is too dry. And then last but certainly not least, um, when you go to play your guitar, let's say it's been out and everything is flat, okay? Usually when you keep your guitar at a nice stable humidity, the tuning stays, unless you've just changed strings. If, however, your guitar is starting to dry out, you'll notice that the strings are considerably flat. Uh, I'm talking like a half step here. So if you go to tune your, your B string, you might say uh, the, the string starts out at a B flat or something along those lines. Just signs that your guitar could be drying out. To kind of like raise your guitar geek radar a little bit and say, oh, I got to be a little bit more adamant about humidification. Okay, so uh, what can go wrong if you don't humidify your guitar? And this is uh, not a scare tactic, although it, it kind of is. You know, we, we spend a lot of time with our guitars. We cherish our guitars and we don't want anything to go wrong. When something goes wrong, it's scary. I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen to my guitars. I don't want that to happen to your guitars. So here's uh, what is the worst case scenario, okay? Uh, number one, cracking. Uh, cracking can happen in a number of different ways, especially when your guitar dries out. Remember, your guitar is built with a radius on the top. As the guitar dries out, it starts to sink. And eventually that seam down the center of your guitar where the two pieces of the top are joined, that can actually begin to separate. Okay, and that's definitely a worst case scenario. Sometimes you'll notice that seam separating. Sometimes you'll notice the wood actually just cracking. It can happen on the back of the guitar. It can happen on the top of the guitar. It can even happen on the sides of the guitar. And with that, I should note that as your guitar dries out, the moisture sensitive materials shrink. The non-moisture sensitive materials stay put. So when I say non-moisture sensitive materials, I'm talking frets, I'm talking binding, right? I'm talking your end pin, right? Those things are not shrinking, but the wood around it is. So you will notice those sharp fret ends. You will notice that, oh my gosh, the binding's actually separating on my guitar could be a result of your guitar being too dry. The end pin could just fall out of your guitar. That's happened to me before because that end pin is just wedged in there. And as the wood shrinks, it creates a larger hole in the bottom of your guitar and that will allow the end pin to fall out. So a couple of things that could go wrong. Uh, let's see, I made some notes here. Um, cracks, seam separations, sharp fret ends, and ultimately the playability can suffer. You can also have some bridge separation. Uh, I, I mentioned binding separation. Uh, a lot of things can go wrong. Like I said, those, those non-moisture sensitive materials, even the bridge of your acoustic guitar can start to, um, since the bridge will start to shrink and, and almost, um, can actually crack, you can develop bridge cracks, but the saddle can even become loose in your guitar. So uh, things to note that uh, kind of a worst case scenario, but here's what we came here for. How do you actually humidify your guitar? Well, you need a humidifier. 
Shocker, I know. Revelation, right? <laughs> um, and there are various types of humidifiers out there, and it can be almost dizzying when you shop for a humidifier because everybody has an opinion, okay? And as long as you're conscious of humidity and as long as you do have a humidifier, that's a huge step in the right direction. I'm gonna go over a few types of humidifiers here, um, but bottom line, you have to choose the one that works for you, okay? And there are so many different kinds. Let me go through them. Uh, you have pure water-based case and instrument humidifiers, uh, two of which I'll note the, um, uh, the Dampit, which is the most common one. It looks like a green snake um, that has a sponge in it. It goes inside your guitar. Uh, there's also uh, Herco makes a case humidifier called the Guard Father. It's a clay tablet in a small plastic case that you soak the tablet in water, uh, put that clay back in that plastic case, and it sits in your case um, as a case humidifier, right? You wanna humidify the environment of your guitar as well as the instrument itself. So the Dampit and the Guardfather is a great one to punch, although I will say this, any humidifier that goes within the acoustic guitar, you need to be very careful that there is no extra water in the humidifier. The humidifier needs to be damp. It doesn't need to be soaked, okay? If you have a soaked humidifier and it goes inside your guitar, water can leak in the guitar. It can cause seam separation in the back or bracing separation. Um, so you're not gonna wanna put a soaking wet humidifier in your guitar, just damp as the damp it name suggests. And if you're thinking to yourself, you know what? Um, I'm not really interested in uh, um, a case humidifier. I don't want to spend that much money on a humidifier. I've got your back. Go to Target, get yourself an up and up soap dish, and get yourself a regular kitchen sponge. Go ahead and soak that sponge in water, wring it out so it's just damp, and on that soap dish, you're going to want to drill, I think you can drill about, ah, let's say, nine quarter inch holes in it. Right, so you soak that sponge, put it in the soap dish, then the soap dish has those uh, quarter inch holes drilled in the top, put that in the case. It's a great low budget, um, or rather a great budget case humidifier. Let's move on to some other humidifiers. Uh, we're gonna look at some chemical based humidifiers. Now, this is not scary. Uh, it, I guess it can be scary if it spills, but these are humidifiers that are meant to last a little bit longer. You know, with just the water-based humidifiers, you're looking at refilling them sometimes every two to three days. Whereas these chemical-based humidifiers have a little bit longer lifespan in terms of the moisture they can continually offer your guitar. You've got the uh, Oasis humidifier, which has a um, uh, kind of a powder in it. And when you add water to it, it gels up. And this gel lasts for a decently uh, decent amount of time. Uh, the Oasis humidifier, they have a case humidifier. They, they also have one that goes in the sound hole of your guitar, but make sure the cap is screwed on tight and make sure that the Oasis humidifier does not dry out. If it dries out, the membrane in the, the little canister can crack and cause leaks. So you gotta make sure that those Oasis humidifiers are filled. And my favorite humidifier of all is a chemical-based humidifier. I say chemical-based, that sounds so bad. Um, the Bovida. The Bovida humidipacks are, in my opinion, top-notch. You don't have to think about it. They just go in the case of your instrument. They go inside your instrument with the little bags, uh, the little kind of hanging, I'll call it a saddle bag. Make sure you have those. Don't just throw these humidifiers in your case. Use the bags for protection, okay? 
But these bovida humidify, uh, humidipacks actually both release humidity and absorb humidity. So their job is to keep your case, your guitar, at a relative humidity level between 45 and 55%, which is ideal. And there's really no calculating. You buy the humidipacks, throw them in there. When they dry out, you replace them. Generally speaking, these humidipacks have a range of uh, two to three months. And that's pretty darn awesome because you don't have to think there's no filling, there's no spilling. They're awesome. I use them in all my instruments. Um, and then you have uh, another type of humidifier that if you keep your guitars open in a room, I would recommend that you have some sort of control over that room, i.e. a door that closes and kind of uh, um, encapsulates the environment, okay? You don't wanna keep your guitars out in the living room. It's just too big of a space unless you have an acoustic remedy case or uh, American Musical Furniture also makes closed environment uh, humidifiers for your instruments. These are beautiful pieces of furniture that you can hang your guitar on a wall. I'll specifically call out the Acoustic Remedy uh, wall hanging case. It's gorgeous, it's closed, you can see the guitar, it makes a statement, you can keep it in your living room, pretty darn awesome. But if you do so happen to have a studio or a closed off room for your guitar, you can actually use a room humidifier and I'm gonna recommend a very specific one here. It's called a Venta, V-E-N-T-A, room humidifier. This is a humidifier that does not put out uh, any sort of steam necessarily. It's an open humidifier that kind of just circulates water and it's a it does a great job with instruments because it leaves no residue. Sometimes with those steam humidifiers you can get a little bit of a residue uh, on your instruments and the Venta is just rock solid awesome. I will say that they are not cheap but they are worth every penny. Um, I've had mine for almost three years now. Nothing, nothing goes wrong with it. Um, you quite simply have to do maintenance. That's it. Clean it, and, and that's pretty much it. So, yes, uh, humidity is obviously very important. I've given you a plethora of options there. There are other humidifiers out there. A couple I'll name. The Kaiser Sound Hole Humidifier. It's a sponge within a sound hole cover. Um, it works. It's not my favorite. Uh, high likelihood of spilling. I don't like things in contact with the top of the guitar. Uh, but, again, if it works for you, it works for you. Bottom line, humidity awareness is extremely important and you do have to humidify your guitars. But you're thinking to yourself, tone, 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 tone. I never humidified my guitars in the past. Nobody ever humidified their guitars in the past. Why start now? Is this just a big marketing spiel? Did we just create a humidification industry because some folks wanted to make some money? No, the answer is no. People did not humidify their guitars in the past. Yes, that is true. But show me a vintage guitar that doesn't have some sort of top crack in it. Now I know there are some out there. Okay, I get it. There are some out there. But the majority of vintage guitars have some sort of dryness-related cracking or brace separation or bridge lifting or something along those lines. So yeah, if those guitars were humidified in the past, we likely wouldn't see that as much. So yes, people did not humidify their guitars in the past, but... Look, look what we're seeing now. So yes, please humidify guitars, even if you didn't do it in the past. Let's start taking care of those things right now. Another common myth, laminate guitars. Oh, my guitar's all laminate. I, do, I don't have to humidify it at all. False, you do. Wood is an organic material. It is sensitive to humidity changes. 
Do laminates move less than solid wood? Yeah, however, they still move. So you can still have some of those issues. Cracking is less likely, but bridge lifting is possible. Brace separation is possible. Neck joint, uh, uh, you can actually loosen the neck joint, especially on some of the lower priced guitars. So yeah, even if your guitar is laminate, you should humidify it, absolutely 100%. The final myth, and I'm sure there are more, but these are ones that just came top of mind. The final myth, I have a resonator guitar. I have a metal bodied resonator guitar. I don't have to humidify it. Metal is one of those materials that's not sensitive to moisture. Well, I guess it can rust, but in terms of it moving, not really. Yeah, if you have a metal bodied resonator guitar, you absolutely have to humidify it. You're thinking, Tom, you've, you've fell off your rocker. You've, you've gone rogue. You're, you're totally, you're, you're out of control. No, see the, the, the neck on a metal bodied resonator guitar is wood. What connects that neck to the body of the guitar is a wooden dowel rod inside the metal bodied resonator. What happens if those pieces of wood shrink? Well, then you have a loose neck joint. It's a pretty common occurrence on metal bodied resonator guitars because people think they don't have to humidify them, but you do for the health of your guitars, please, for the love of all things holy, humidify them. I've made myself clear. I do have a couple questions for you. If you could answer them in the comments for me, that would be great. It would help the greater guitar geek good if you did so. Uh, did this episode help you understand humidification better? Um, what you need to do, what could go wrong, and maybe some options for you? Uh, if it did help you, let me know in the comments below. Maybe you're new to the guitar world and you're thinking, oh, I never knew this, this is, this is helpful. Well, let me know in the comments below. And also, on that humidity note, and I'll always encourage you to do this, uh, in the comments, ask questions. Did I leave anything out? Are you saying, oh, I wish you would have spoken about this a little bit more? Uh, let me know in the comments below. The comments is just as much for answering the questions that I ask you as it is for asking questions of me, because a lot of times it helps me um, figure out topics for future episodes of the show. And I kind of would love to do a, um, I don't know, and ask me anything, a question-based Acoustic Tuesday episode. Does that sound good to you? Um, sounds fun to me. So maybe if we get enough questions, uh, I'll go ahead and make an episode entirely of viewer asked questions. That could be kind of cool. We'll see what happens. Okay, uh, let's take a break from humidity and talk about some acoustic news you can use. Now, I wanted to bring this to your attention, this first thing here. This is a guitar that I saw, I believe it was at Sylvan Music. I'm gonna try and find it right now. It is a guitar that was made by Bourgeois Guitars. And it is made out of, if I have my, if my memory is firing on all cylinders, it's made out of six different tonewoods. Six different tonewoods. It's called, yeah, it came from uh, Griffin Strings. They just got it used. Some uh, a couple weeks ago, anyway. Um, and uh, here's, here's what it says. Here's something you won't see often. A guitar body made from six different types of woods. It's a 2004 Bourgeois JOMC Harlequin. And whether you find it cool or crazy, it's certainly unique. Here's a little bit more of a description about it. The guitar is made with six different wood species instead of the usual two, or at most three. The base side of the soundboard is bare cloth Sitka spruce, while the treble side is western red cedar. The back is half Brazilian rosewood, half figured koa. 
while the theme is continued with the sides that are mahogany on the base side and curly maple on the treble side with a cutaway. The Brazilian rosewood slash Hawaiian koa of the back is repeated on the headstock. The sound hole rosette is herringbone on the base side with abalone pearl on the treble side with that reversed for the decoration around the top's perimeter. Okay, so I got a question for you. <laughs> Let's have a discussion about this. Would you be interested in a guitar like this? Is this something that piques your interest and you think, I would like to try that. I would like to own that. And I gotta tell you, although I appreciate all the tone woods involved in this guitar, I don't think I could do it. I just don't, I don't think I could do it. That's just me personally, no judgment if this guitar has you all frothing at the mouth. Um, I just, for me, I just, I don't know, I may call me a, a traditionalist, call me a, a curmudgeon. I just, you know what? I like two species. Topwood, some sort of spruce. Backwood, some sort of hardwood. I guess, or cedar. Cedar is spruce, I guess. I don't know, you, you get the idea. Uh, so for me, that JMC Harlequin is not, it's not on my radar, it's not on my, my want list, but it might be for you. Let me know in the comments below. Okay, next up on the, um, on the news, the news docket. Next up on the news docket is a video series. A couple episodes back, I talked about Spider John Kerner gifting his 12-string guitar to Charlie Parr. Well, John Kerner, Charlie Parr, and Kyle Orla got together to film a video series about the um, wild history of this guitar and, well, John Kerner. And it's done so well. Now, Kyle Orla, I've mentioned his channel uh, quite a few times on the Acoustic Tuesday show. You have to check it out on YouTube. It's Kyle Orla Stringworks, or it could be KO Stringworks. Now I can't remember. One of them is his Instagram handle. One of them is his YouTube channel. Nonetheless, find it, okay? Find it. It is a wealth of information for playing. It's a wealth of information for just kind of fun little repair stories. And in this case, it's got a solid dose of music history. This is a video series that they're putting out. I believe it's gonna be maybe three videos. At the date of this filming, two of the videos are out and Charlie Parr essentially interviews John and um, it's so cool. It's, it's just folk music history that you need to know about. Let's take a quick look at a small snippet of one of the uh, little chunks of the interview here about um, Spider John talking about the headstock of this 12-string guitar, and it's interesting uh, spelling. Here it is. If you look carefully at this, you can see that the, the name, which is inlaid up here, is misspelled. Uh, original spelling is well, G-R-E-T-S-C-H. Well, this is G-R-E-T-R-C-H, right? Right. Yeah. Now, how, how a person could do, make a mistake like that is, is beyond me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so it makes it an odd thing. An odd thing. It was one of the guitars that I've had that got stolen. This here, you can. Can you read it? Yeah. That was stolen out of the. I was living over in Seward, and I uh, parked my car after one job in the driveway instead of the garage <laughs> <laughs> with the stuff in it, and some kids broke into it and took my amp and uh, a guitar. I didn't know what to find. You know, I looked at hawk shops and talked to police and all that kind of stuff. Nothing, nothing happened. 
but Eddie Feline, who had the, I believe it was called Southside Pride, put out an article about it. That's what this is. Some days later, a guy calls me up and he said he saw two kids uh, selling the, the amp and the guitar for 80 bucks in a bar. <laughs> One more quick little thing that I found interesting. You know, we've left the holidays in our dust. We're well separated from, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Christmas, Hanukkah, all that stuff. We've left that in the dust. We've got this new year ahead of us, but I wanted to bring back a little holiday spirit because Gwennifer Raymond posted a picture that you need to see. It's John Fahey holding a dog next to Santa Claus. I don't have a story behind it, I just thought it was a cool picture, and I and, and you needed to see it. That's it. That that's all I got. <laughs> Not for the show. Don't worry. The show's going to continue. But uh, I thought you needed to see that picture. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and head to uh, Brevard, North Carolina. Brevard, Brevard. I think it's Brevard. We're going to go with Brevard. Uh, we're going to visit James Burgess. He has a guitar signal that he wants to share with us. First, he says this. Hey, Tony and the TAC family, I've updated my guitar signal since the last time I was featured on an AT video. I've only selected, uh, what does it say here? I've only selected a number of the guitars I have, also known as the ones I hold most true and dear to me, and have left a couple out due to space in my room. I'm currently in my junior year in Brevard College, North Carolina, and I'm studying classical guitar. Thanks to all the TAC family for your enthusiasm for guitar, and thank you, Tony, for featuring my updated guitar signal. Well, you are welcome, James, and here's what he's got. From left to right, a Martin D28, a Jose Ramirez 4E classical guitar, an Eastman E6D12, a CMG Ashley solid body, a My Lele Hawaiian... Hawaiian Koa tenor ukulele, holy smokes, and on the wall, an Eastman E1D. Thank you, James, for updating us on your guitar signal. If you're sitting there thinking, you know what? A couple years back, I got my guitar signal featured on the Acoustic Tuesday show, but in true guitar geek fashion, I've picked up a couple more. Let's update it. Now's the time. All you have to do is visit the description below. Chances are, if you already submitted your guitar signal, you already have a guitar signal shirt, just take a picture with your updated guitar signal, go ahead and describe it, give me the stories, and submit it using the link in the description below. Pretty awesome stuff, and I'd love to feature your guitar signal or your updated guitar signal on a future episode of the show. Talking about guitar, talking about the TAC family. Let's see what they're working on today. Every single day within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, every single weekday, I should say, within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, the TAC family focuses on the five essential guitar skills. On Monday, it's a technique challenge, Tuesday's a guitar lick challenge, Wednesday's an improvisation challenge, Thursday's a rhythm guitar challenge, and Friday's a chord transition challenge. Today is Tuesday, they're working on a guitar lick, and here's the one that they're getting under their fingers today. Your Tuesday Tack Guitar Lick Challenge this week is entitled Back Asswards because it uses a backwards roll, which is actually the theme this entire week within Tack. Everything that you'll learn within Tack this week utilizes the backward roll in one way, shape, or form. Now, tell me, what, what is the backward roll? Well, when playing finger-style guitar, you can use certain patterns on your picking hand called rolls. You have forward rolls, backward rolls, inside-out rolls. A lot of this is actually derived from the banjo. So we ripped off the backward roll and we're applying it to the guitar. What is the backward roll? Well, real quick before I play the lick, let me just go ahead and share with you physically what it is. It's using your thumb, index, and middle in a backward fashion, meaning you'd play the strings middle, 
index thumb, middle index thumb, middle index thumb. That's a backward roll, basically working from your middle finger towards the thumb. Here's the lick for today. It's an interesting blues lick that ends on an A7 chord. I think you'll find it pretty awesome, and you might hear it and think to yourself, how do I actually place that in a song? I'll show you that here in just a little bit. But first, here's how the lick sounds. It's a rather odd lick that may seem a little clunky, and you might think to yourself, okay, I see the backward roll, the, the, you know, Tony's using the middle index and thumb, but how do I place that? What's, what do I do? We'll get there in just a minute, but for those of you wanting to learn this note by note, uh, TACFAM, all you have to do is log in. This is your daily challenge. Go ahead and click Start Challenge. That'll take you right to the teaching video, and once you get it under your fingers, you can then move to the play along video. Pick a speed that is comfortable for you, and don't forget to click on that tab icon in the lower right-hand corner. You can pull up the tab right next to the video so you can learn it again note for note pretty easily. Now, this lick, I believe, is best used as a transition back to an A7 chord. You can actually use it in between A7 chords. You can use it from any chord to an A7 chord. Now, I'm going to show you a couple examples right now. First, let me go ahead and play an A7 chord, use the lick to come back to that A7 chord. That would sound like this. little clunky, but you get the idea. I was actually moving from an open A7 chord to a closed position barred A7 chord. Works great, has some nice flow to it. It's a great way to get from an open position to that closed position in the middle of the neck, especially if you're using some sort of uh, muted uh, rhythm pattern like I was, that getting to that bar chord is actually a little bit of a, a reprieve because you can use the bar chord as a button, meaning if you want sound, you press it down. If you don't, you don't press it down. It's great to combine that with a percussive strum. That's a whole nother thing we can get to uh, on another Acoustic Tuesday show. Now, you can actually use this, uh, this lick to um, go from other chords to an A7, meaning I could really play any chord in the key of A. I'll use an E7 as an example here, and I'll use the lick to come back to an A7 chord. That would sound like this. There I'm going again from that E7 to an A7. I can also use it going from an F sharp minor to an A7, really any chord in the key of A here. But I'm gonna use an F sharp minor because the first three notes of this chord, or the first three notes of this lick outline an F sharp minor chord. It's actually a really cool way to transition from an F sharp minor back to an A7 without even having to play an F sharp minor. But for the sake of context, I'll go ahead and play that F sharp minor, use the lick, and come back to an A7 chord. That would sound like this. There, I kind of almost use it as an ending, but you get the idea. And I think what's cool about that, again, as I, as I mentioned before, you're using the first three notes of that F sharp minor chord to start the transition. So it still references the chord that you are on 
and then you move to that A7 chord. There's actually a lot of uses for this, but first things first, get it under your fingers and see what direction it takes you. It might take you in a completely different direction, and that is a good thing. Which brings me to something that I want to mention to you, something that I really want to urge you to adopt. This idea of perfection when it comes to guitar playing is an illusion, and it really gets you into more trouble than it causes any good. And I say this from, from personal experience. This notion of perfection simply doesn't exist. It does not exist when it comes to music, and it really doesn't exist when it comes to anything, but you can never play guitar perfectly. You can play guitar like you. If you take this lick and you modify it, if you take this lick and you use just a portion of it, that's just fine. Don't think of it as perfect or not perfect, right or wrong, uh, pass or fail. It's simply not that. I would much rather you prioritize progress over perfection. And that comes to learning something specifically, and it also comes to your guitar journey in general. I would much rather you prioritize showing up than a perfect guitar routine. Meaning, if you miss a day here and there, it's okay. You gotta roll with the curveballs that life throws at you. Just because you miss one day in your guitar routine doesn't make your guitar routine good or bad. It doesn't make you fail at your guitar routine. It's all about a process. I want you to prioritize, prioritize showing up because those chunks of you showing up, that all builds up. If you look at your guitar routine as, oh gosh, you know, I missed a day. What's the point of even playing today? I kind of fell out of my routine please avoid that. You can immediately see how that would get you in trouble. Because if you don't play for a day, chalk it up to a failure, and then continue to not play, you're not gonna achieve any progress. Whereas if you say, you know what? Today wasn't my day, or yesterday wasn't my day. I was too busy, it was absolutely crazy, I couldn't even get 10 minutes of guitar playing in. Okay, that's okay, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to achieve progress. And the way that you achieve progress is prioritize showing up. Prioritizing showing up. So uh, just keep that in mind as you play guitar, whether again, that's learning something specific or just in your guitar journey as a whole. Again, progress over perfection. Time for your second dose of acoustic news you can use, and we're gonna kick things off with an epic fam jam. I found this surfing on Instagram. It was some sort of, a, maybe it was Bluegrass Life. It was an account uh, around bluegrass, involving bluegrass. And there's footage of Rich Davis and his son Miles playing Swing 51. And I thought to myself, I watched this a number of times and I couldn't do anything but smile because this is what it's all about. It's about sharing your love of guitar with your family. And in this case, a father and a son, and the son is just into it. He's feeling it. And you can see how happy he is to just be jamming with his dad. I, I just, I got the goosebumps, I got the goosebumps. I, that's it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. You just have to see it. Here's Rich Davis and his son Miles playing the song Swing 51. talked about Kyle Orla before in the Spider John video series. I'm going to talk about him again because he posted this thing. It's a, I don't know, YouTube short, Instagram story, TikTok, 
I don't know, pick one. It's one of those things. It's a very short video and it's entitled How to Get Badder at Guitar. And I watched it a couple of times and couldn't do anything but laugh because he, he puts some pretty common stereotypes in there and he acts them out. And um, it's downright funny. Let's have a look. I said it already, I'm gonna say it again. You have to follow Kyle on YouTube and Instagram. Um, he just, he puts out some great content. He's also a very gifted repair person uh, and a phenomenal player as well. He, he, he does it all, folks. I don't know how he manages to do it all, but he does. Um, definitely worth your time checking out his videos. Um, and the cool things that he posts. Okay, finally, uh, a book to add to your list. This is something you can pre-order. It may actually be out at this point. I can't remember. Anyways, uh, Fretboard Journal tur turned me on to this. Uh, it's the, the book is entitled An Instrument Maker's Guide to Insanity and Redemption, Behind the Scenes Stories from the Instrument Making and Repair Community. Um, what a cool idea for a book. Um, you're gonna see the page here. You can indeed pre-order it. And this just looks fun. It just looks fun. Um, it, it's, it's not a how-to book for instrument makers. Rather, uh, um, it's for anyone, it says this, it's for anyone who has obsessed over handmade instruments and their makers and wondered about all the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into the craft. It's a snapshot of the quirky, obsessive nature of our favorite makers, and we love it. That's a quote from the Fretboard Journal. Um, you can go ahead and find it there on the Fretboard Journal website. Um, and how cool, and I, I thought about this, and I thought, man, when I was first getting into guitar, I, I, I wanna say I was working at the Old Town School, let's say 2006, 2007, maybe 2005. I think I was there for about three or four years. Anyways, I just remember learning about guitar makers and thinking they were just magical people. I still think they're magical people. But then they were, they were not as accessible as they are now. And I would have killed for this book then and I'm really excited that it's coming out now because, man, instrument makers' brains work in a different, different way, and it's so cool. I don't have it in my brain, but they have it in theirs, and I am so grateful that they do. Uh, this book seems to chronicle some of the fun and funny stories that they experience, so I wanted to share that with you. Put it on your uh, must-read book list, and I'm still thinking we should do an Acoustic Tuesday book club. I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, is that something that you'd be into? I recommend a book, say, at the beginning of the month and then at the end of, say, a month and a half or so, six weeks later, we revisit the book. I don't know. Are you into that? Is that something cool? I'm, I'm kind of fishing for some show ideas. Uh, I'd like to try some new stuff this year, and uh, that's, that's one of the things on my list, but it really depends on what you want to see and participate in. So let me know in the comments below if that sounds good to you. And on those notes, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, we're gonna take a sneak peek into next week. 
Next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show, we're going to talk about vintage guitars. Are they all they're cracked up to be? Are they worth the price that you're going to pay? Vintage guitars. They're these like mythical instruments that everybody clamors over, but are they really worth it? Are they really worth it? Do you just open yourself up to a bucket of troubles if you buy a vintage instrument? We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the pros. We're going to talk about the cons, and we're going to come up with a definitive answer if vintage guitars are worth it or not. That's happening next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And I got to tell you this before I let you go. Your guitar success, however you define it for yourself, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Thank you for sharing your valuable time with me today. Thank you for being a guitar geek. And I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers. Guitar Geeks Unite.